shine between the lines If you would let yourself go Find some place you know You can use your words, use your hands You can change the world, just pretend Express yourself, take a chance and you'll see Who you'll be It's time to express yourself Where teens talk and the world listens Presented by Star Style Productions as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. You'll rock to an hour of adolescent fusion with your teen hosts and on-air reporters. Meet and chat with cool celebrities, exhilarating experts, and tenacious teens with subjects regarding anything and everything that you want to know. It's time to kick off the fun with our star teens. Welcome to Express Yourself. A new year brings a new attitude. As we dash hard and strong into 2015, we have the chance to begin another chapter of our lives, a fresh start. The question is, how will you make the most of this opportunity for renewal? Hello and welcome to Express Yourself. We're a program by, for, and with creative young people. A platform to give teens a voice, right here on the Voice America Kids Network. I'm Hannah Hundle, and today the theme for our show is setting goals for the new year. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions and brought to you as an outreach service of the Be The Star You Are charity. We have a refreshing program in store for you today as we examine all the ways that you can aspire to be your best self. To kick off our exploration, we are honored to welcome Rachel Tour to the program. Rachel is the author of the novel On the Road to Find Out and of three books of nonfiction. Admissions Confidential, an insider's account of the elite college selection process, The Pig and I, and Personal Record, a love affair with running. She teaches creative writing at Eastern Washington University in Spokane and lives with her dog, Helen, a great runner, with an unfortunate habit of slaying squirrels and marmos. Rachel's novel, On the Road to Find Out, is a light and gently humorous romance. In the book, a self-centered Alice learns to run, to cope with disappointment, and to consider other people's feelings. Alice is heartsick after Yale rejects her early apl- action application. However, as a family friend points out, her crushed feeling is less about Yale itself than about not having gotten her own way. Stubborn, snarky, and sometimes glaringly unself-aware, Alice has a smart retort for everything her mom, dad, or family friend Walter tries to offer, tell her offer her. She is kinder to Jenny, a best friend for whom Alice's parents serve as a sort of surrogate family, even though there's imbalances in the pair's relationship. What keeps readers engaged with Alice is her devotion to her beloved pet, Rat, a comical, curious, and deeply lovable creature also named Walter. As Alice follows up on her hastily made New Year's resolution to start running and meets the kind and driven head of a running shop, as well as a down-to-earth and dreamy boy runner, her growth is palpable. Lessons of the life skills variety and the SAT vocabulary variety are many, but the vibrant characters and lively dialogue make them easy to digest. Doesn't that sound fascinating? We think it does, and we are truly thrilled that Rachel is joining us for a conversation today. Welcome to the program, Rachel. Thank you so much for having me, and Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year to you, too, and it is absolutely our pleasure. So first things first, why did you decide to write this book? Was there a certain group of people you were trying to reach, a certain message you were trying to convey? What was it? You know, it was, to be completely honest, 
one guy, uh, there was an editor who reached out to me who'd read my running book, and he said, hey, have you ever thought about writing a YA novel about a teenage girl who decides to start running? And I said, no, I can't do that. <laughs> and he said, don't be ridiculous, um, and encouraged me to try. And so, you know, in trying to write about running, I had to think about, well, what else do I want to say to teens? Um, and so there were some things that I wanted to think about, you know, in terms of dealing with senior year and college applications and, you know, trying to figure out what you really want. Um, so I had a really amazingly a for fortunate experience um, with somebody who kind of saw in me something that I didn't know I had, which was to write a novel. Wow, I like that. I like how you decided to put, you know, family, friends, family, and even a pet in there to keep her company and help her go through everything that's going on. But why is one of the main characters a rat? Uh, well, because they're the best small animals. Don't you realize <laughs> that? <laughs> um, you know, actually, I've had, I've had two pet rats in my life, and they are amazing, uh, smart, loving, funny, um, wonderful companions. And also, like teenagers, they're often misunderstood. Um, and so I think uh, having a rat, you know, where I have a, I have a girl who's, you know, kind of quirky and, as, as you said so well, um, stubborn and self-absorbed and, you know, snarky, um, having her like somebody who also has a bad rap, um, I thought would be interesting for readers. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. It's really interesting. And what's also interesting to me is that I know that you're a big runner and you love to run. I mean, you even have a book about it. And I wonder, do you identify a lot with Alice when you were a teen? Is she kind of modeled after you? Because did you start running when you were a teenager or did that come about later? Oh, God. You know what? I think everybody's lives would have been so much easier if I had an outlet like running when I was a teenager. Um, I was an anti-athlete until I turned 30. Um, and so that's when I started. And um, and, you know, one of the things that was hard for me, you know, because I've been doing it for you know, a long time now, is remembering how hard it is to start running. You know, it's, it's the thing that mm -hmm. keeps people from doing it because you go out there and it sucks, you know, pretty much every single time you go for the first, you know, two months. <laughs> right. Um, and so I was really fortunate to have an editorial assistant at the publisher, um, Angie Chen, who after she read my proposal, she decided to start running. And so... I, each time she went out for a run, she would send me an email to describe exactly the ways in which it sucked. Um, and so I was able to use a lot of her insights and really funny um, remarks uh, to help me think about what, what Alice was going through. Um, so no, so I didn't start until I was much, much older. Um, and, you know, I, I think I would have had much easier time if I had had an outlet like running. Um, mm, I think that would probably not be the same for me because I can't run. Um, but Alice goes from never running to doing a half marathon. And that's not possible, right? Because I know for me it isn't. It's completely possible. And I could point you to any number of people uh, who've done it. Um, and it's, it's really, you know, and, and you don't know, you know, what it's like for her to run that half marathon. You know, I'm pretty sure it was probably pretty hard. Um, but, but, Lots, lots of people can do it. And it's, it's a question of just being smart about how you're training, not doing too much too soon, building up slowly. Um, I think it's a completely reasonable goal um, to go from the couch to half marathon in six months. Yeah, you could do it. Yeah. <laughs> 
That's super neat. I know for me right now, running hasn't really been a staple in my fitness routine, but I'd like it to become one. And I think that's a New Year's resolution I can try to aspire to. Do you have anything you'd like to start this new year? Any projects, any new running goals? You know, it's funny because I've achieved um, so many of my running goals, you know, personally. And at a certain point, you stop getting faster and you kind of have to come to terms with that. And so really what I've what I've been most gratified now by is helping other people get started and encouraging them along, running with them. I've, I've led pace groups at marathons where, um, you know, where I, I just keep, keep a constant pace and often a constant pattern of conversation um, to help other people. And so, th- so my goals really are to do as much as I can to encourage people like you guys um, who might think you can't run or you don't want to, um, to realize that if you if you choose to, absolutely you can. Um, and I think you really, you know, in terms of setting goals for the new year, I think, you know, you're pretty much doomed to fail if you say, I am going to run every day. Um, right. Because that doesn't work. And uh, yeah. I had a girl who, um, one of the best things about writing this, the, really the best thing about writing this book has been the emails that I've got from readers, you know, from teenagers who say, you know what, I'm going through the college admissions process now and your book helped, or you know what, I just started to run and your book helped, or hey, now I want to get a rat, um, which I love when people want to get rats after they read the book. <laughs> um, but there was a girl who wrote to me from Texas and said, you know what, can you, like, I want to I wanna be more consistent about running, but I just, you know, I keep failing. And my advice to her was, you know what, don't say you're going to go every day. Say you're going to go three times a week for 20 minutes, you know, set a reasonable goal or for 10 minutes. Um, but, but set a goal where it doesn't feel overwhelming. Um, and then, you know, then you'll be set up to succeed rather than to fail if you think you're going to go every day. I like that. That's really good advice because I tried to do the album going to run every day and it didn't work for me. Um, but I think with the new year, everybody's trying to get things done. Everybody's thinking, oh, I'm going to get stuff done better, especially with college admissions. And what was your experience working in college admissions with Duke, at Duke like? You know what? It was, um, I, I mean, I used to describe my job as running around the country, getting kids all excited about applying to Duke so we could reject them in April. Um, and I mean, that's kind of what it is because the odds are so slim of getting mm-hmm. in. Um, and I mean, that's really what I wanted to, I kind of, you know, used this novel to atone for the book I wrote about admissions, which basically says, you know what, even if you do everything right, you're probably not going to get in because so few people get in and yeah. that's okay. There are a gazillion great colleges and universities to go to. Um, so many. So many. And, and the experience you have at them is really up to you. And so what I saw at Duke is, you know, I saw a lot of kids who I would call DFD, dying for Duke you know, wanted to go there, like Alice, you know, wanted to go there from the time they were, you know, could talk, basically, right. for not good reasons, you know, because the basketball team was great, or because they visited the campus. And often, you know, they would apply early, they would get in, they would come, and, you know, around their sophomore year, they would say, huh, you know, I wish I'd looked around more, mm-hmm. because I didn't really know why, I didn't really have great reasons for wanting to come to Duke, and I wish I'd thought harder about what would be a better fit for me. Um, right. So I saw, I mean, I, I got to know great, great, great kids when I worked at Duke, um, and I loved it. But I also saw the toll that it takes and, and the idea that, you know, it really matters where you go to college. 
And yeah. I don't think it does. I think it matters what you do wherever you are. Right, um, yeah. I think you can make the most of yourself and all the opportunities anywhere you end up. So I think that's really important as well. Well, thank you very much, Rachel, for coming on the program. And we loved hearing all the insight you provided. And we here at Express Yourself wish you all the best in your future endeavors. Thank you. And I know I don't have to wish you the best because you guys are obviously going to take over the world. Um, so <laughs> thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to talk thank with you. Thank you. The pleasure is all ours. And during the break, be sure to visit Rachel's website at racheltour.com. The book is called On the Road to Find Out, and it is a riveting read. I'm Hannah Hundle. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Please also check out our radio website at expressyourselfteenradio.com to see photos, descriptions, links, and more. Stick around for our next segment as we continue our conversation. Bookworm is a show for the reader and those that should probably be reading a little more. We'll tackle the classics, the bestsellers, and the brand new works that you won't be able to put down. Your host will be combing the pages of them all and letting you know what needs to be in your personal library and what might be better reading for the bathroom. Tune into Bookworm, airing Thursdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. We promise that listening will be just like delving into a good book. Keep it right here. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. You are listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids Network. Brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charities. I'm Hannah Hundle, and today our show is all about appreciating new things this new year and viewing the world with a fresh mind. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. To add more insight to the conversation, we are delighted that Paul Bogle is joining us here on the show today. Paul is a professional astrological counselor with an office in Walnut Creek, California at the Mystic Dream Store. Paul has been working as a professional astrologer for 26 years and counsels individuals and couples using astrology, dream work, and other divination tools. Along with personal matters, Paul helps clients find the best possible time for their endeavors, such as when to schedule a business meeting, when to get married, what weeks are best for vacation. How thrilling! I can't wait to learn more information about this profession. So without further ado, let's bring our expert onto the program. Hi, Paul. Hello. Hi, Hannah. Hi, Asia. Hi. Thank you for joining us today. So why did you decide to go into this profession? What about astrology really attracted you to it? It was my meeting with an astrologer who blew my mind, told me about things in my life and things about me she wouldn't have known about. And I was so thrilled, I thought, I want to be able to do that. Wow, that's so cool. How is astrology useful? Because we heard it's from when to schedule things, I guess, or, you know, how to find out your personality. I've heard some things about it, but how is it useful? Well, I think it's really useful as a way to get guidance for ourselves. And it's Mm -hmm. been studied for so many thousands of years that there's a lot of material 
that we can research and utilize and then apply it to our own lives. So it's something you don't have to start from scratch with. There's been a lot of work already done for us. Does that tie in with horoscopes? Yes, whether it's something that would be your natal horoscope and all the pictures that it presents about who you are as a person, it's also sort of a curriculum or a um, how-to in terms of uh, places to put attention and what's important for us in our life. Oh, interesting. And you mentioned that astrology has been practiced for so many years now because it's such a useful tool for self-discovery, I guess. And can you give us a little insight on maybe the history of astrology? Like when did it really begin to take off? It's hard to say exactly when it became encoded into the clay tablets that were in the original libraries in the area that we call Babylon, Nineveh, Shumeria. So the study of astrology um, was the very first thing that people put down on clay tablets in the very first libraries ever invented in history. Hmm. Can anybody learn astrology? Yes, astrology is actually easy to learn. It takes time to develop familiarity with the vocabulary, but there's not an infinite number of symbols. So it's like learning a, an alphabet and then just developing the um, willingness and ability to research because so much, like I said, is available. In fact, nowadays with the computers and the internet, the access to wisdom is at everybody's fingertips if you have mm-hmm. a smartphone or a computer and that kind of thing. Oh, wow. interesting. And I think right off the bat, we should probably get this clear for some of our listeners who aren't that familiar with astrology. How would you best describe it and describe how it works? That's a good question. It works for me um, much the same way uh, telephone or maybe Google Maps does in a certain sense. If I'm asking um, you know, my phone uh, what's the best way to get someplace or um, you know, directions from Google Maps. But astrology can give one directions on very personal levels like is this a good time to uh, apply for a job? Um, when might I be lucky in love? Or um, what are some of the things that the chart tells me about myself that would help me orient towards a particular career? Did mm. that answer your question? Yes, yes. And does one have to really believe in astrology for it to work? No, belief is not required. Um, neither is understanding because from a scientific point of view, we don't know how astrology works. There are no scientifically measurable causal factors. It's kind of useful to think of the hand or the planets orbiting around us like hands of a cosmic clock. So it's Saturn time or Mercury time. And when it's Saturn or Mercury time, certain themes begin to appear and we can take advantage by knowing that it's Saturn time and apply ourselves according to those themes and principles. Okay, that's really cool. And you were talking about, you know, Saturn time and Mercury time. Are you able to predict the future? Well, not so much what's going to happen as these themes or these um, uh, associated events might happen. For instance, everybody over 30 is different from everybody who's under 30 because mm-hmm. Saturn has a 28-year orbit. It's very maturing. A lot of themes that people face right around that age from 27 to 32 um, are universal. They're passages okay. that 
everybody has to address in order to move from adolescence to full maturity. Oh, okay. Interesting. And it's often said that Mercury is in retrograde when cars break down or computers go haywire. Uh, so can you provide us a little insight on what that means? Yeah, in brief, Mercury rules transactions and communication. Um, also, uh, anything that has to do with exchange, uh, so data and information exchanges fall under Mercury's rulership. When it's retrograde, it means it looks from our point of view on Earth as if it's going backwards, but that's just an optical illusion. However, the appearance is important, and so Mercury's retrograde period is an invitation for us to break free of our regular routines and to do things that we don't normally do with our minds. So get out of linear mode, tell jokes, read poetry, relax, record your dreams. When we do that, Mercury seems to operate um, in a way that puts us in touch with ignored parts of ourselves. And when we don't, it seems to cause problems with writing letters and exchanging information and transposing numbers and the such. Oh, wow. That's really cool. I, it's really interesting hearing about all of this. And since we're hearing about all these ways that it could help us or help us discover who we are, when is a good time to go to an astrologer? I say that if you want to try it for the first time, do it around your birthday, especially mm. if the astrologer does a chart called a solar return. That just means the sun comes or returns back to its home place like it does every year. That's our birthday chart. Okay. And it can give us a sense of what this next year in its uniqueness is going to present. And I think, you know, for a first time, it really gives someone a sense of um, being able to look within a relatively brief period of time with a high level of predictability into that near future. And what if I don't know my exact birth time? Well, there's something called rectification. And if you don't have any idea, then you kind of have to do a little bit of a life history. And an astrologer can play with the chart wheels and the timing and in a way kind of dial up the planets to line up with certain important events in your life. And so yeah. even if you don't know the exact time, that can be dealt with by a skilled astrologer who does chart rectification. Wow. Oh, neat. Okay. And so you mentioned about this new year and how, you know, all these charts and astrology can help us guide and, you know, provide guidance and understand ourselves better as we face this new year. So is there an overview for everyone that you can provide? Yes. I've been trying to do my homework a little bit about that. And any calendar year, say 2015 um, to the next year, from January 1st to December 31st, <clears throat> is a man-made calendar. And so the cycles and the movements of the planets don't fit neatly into that calendar. But what I can do is give you an idea of what this next year is going to be like in general, based on the movement of the planets around the Earth and how the... Um, uh, it's likely to affect everybody all at the same time. And I've even got some ideas about how to work with the energy of the planets. Wow. This is, I find this so interesting. This is just so cool. But if I can't go to an astrologer, what are some resources that I could use for myself? There are so many resources now available. 
you can simply type in astrology or um, astrolog- astrological information and transits, and you'll be able to um, pull up really skilled astrologers who have put things online right at your fingertips. Wow. Um, yeah, that's useful. And as you mentioned, I loved your line that access to wisdom is at our fingertips nowadays. And I think it's wonderful that we get to access these websites that can provide us all this information, particularly your own website, astro-counselor.com. Um, and I wonder, what is it like to become a professional astrologer? Because, of course, there's a wealth of information online and you can read books. But what take us through the process of actually becoming a professional one and then practicing like you do. I started off using astrology as a hobby, and because I wanted to be a counselor, I began to use astrology in my um, counseling practice um, because I was going to train to become you know, a, essentially a therapist. Mm-hmm. I, I found I loved it so much because astrology cuts right through into the heart of things, and so I began to go to conferences and there's conferences all over the United States with lots of skilled astrologers presenting material. Usually, there's um, teachers who are presenting astrological classes in mm-hmm. most big towns and cities. And then there's a huge amount of wonderful books and workbooks that are available. I recommend Astrology for Yourself by Demetra George as a do-it-yourself self-starter for anybody to learn astrology. Oh, neat. Well, thank you very much, Paul, for sharing all this insight, and I'm loving hearing about this intriguing information. During the break, be sure to learn more about Paul and his work by visiting his website at astro-counselor.com. I'm Hannah Hundle. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. Please also check out our radio site at expressyourselfradio.com and our Tumblr page at btsyaradio.tumblr.com. Stick around for our next segment as we expand our discussion with Paul. What do you want to do? Are you interested in the performing arts? If so, make sure you tune in to the Angel and Harmony Show. Angel and Harmony have experience singing, acting, and performing in general and want to help you live out your dreams of the future. Whether you are interested in acting, modeling, dancing, or singing, this is the show for you. We'll even give you the scoop on being behind the scenes if you're a little shy. The Angel and Harmony Show is heard live every Thursday at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids, Real Kids, Real Talk Radio. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. Our program is Express Yourself, giving youth across the world a voice to be listened to. I'm Hannah Hundle. 
And I'm Asia Gonzalez. In the previous segment with Paul Bogle, a professional astrological counselor who's been working in the field for over 26 years. Paul has an office in Walnut Creek, California at the Mystic Dream Store where he skillfully tailors his counseling to individuals and couples depending on their needs. Thanks for staying with us, Paul. You're so welcome. It's a pleasure to be with you. Now, I really enjoyed our previous segment, how we were just talking about how astrology works and how it benefits us. And now we're kind of wondering, you know, how will our astrological weather look like this new year? Well, 2015 is going to be really interesting. I would think of it as a year of awakening, participation, and change. Uh, to give a little background, um, there's themes that are ongoing that sometimes last years or even a decade or more. And the very mm -hmm. last of a interplanetary contact is going to be happening in middle of March. It's exact on March 16th. And it involves okay. two planets, Uranus and Pluto. And it'll be the seventh and last, we call it a square. They're kind of at 90 degree angles from the point of view of the Earth from us. And uh, these planets represent and signify massive changes that go on worldwide and mm -hmm. the challenge for us to both wake up and break free of any habits um, for institutions to um, evolve or grow or um, fall apart. And in fact, the, uh, this particular era involving these two planets started really back in 2008 and will finish in terms of the effects we notice that's symbolized by Uranus and Pluto in around 2020. Mm. So we're at the end of the most intense phase from about uh, 2012 through 2015 of a cycle that invites us worldwide into being proactive and to demonstrate our willingness to both make changes in our personal life and address changes that want to or need to be made socially and um, with our entire planet. Okay, so with the social aspect, if, okay, so I'm a Capricorn, I know that. If I'm that, is it true that I'm only compatible with a few other signs? Um, Actually, um, as a Capricorn, you're going to be compatible with any other sign in the horoscope, the natal horoscope. Mm. There's actually uh, 10 different planets to work with. And in terms of relationship, like love relationships and deep friendships, um, other planets like Venus and Mars have a lot to say. And so mm. I would say that you can't just go by one sun sign. That's when I say like, I'm a Sagittarius, you're a Capricorn. Yeah. You really need to be able to look deeply and don't go by just the sun signs. That's wouldn't be mm, helpful. Okay. Okay. What do you, what would you say that the sun signs are useful for? Because you know that those tend to be the things that are expounded in magazines and you see them on TV and but talking to you it seems like there's way more that we really need to consider yeah. here. Well, there is, and the sun is important, just like the sun brings the light and brings life and allows us to see. It's our purpose, and it's what we consciously identify with. But there's a lot more, like you say, our feelings and the way we go about things, who we love and why we love them. Um, but the sun is extremely important. It really think about it as a bullseye, and what we're 
aiming for, to be the best we can be, to be the star you are. (laughs) That's awesome. You know, Paul, I have to remark that you have a wonderful way of breaking down these topics, I think, for people who aren't as familiar with them. And I really appreciate that. And I know our listeners appreciate that as well. And it actually fits because I know you do public speaking tours and you've lectured at the Sophia Institute at Holy Names College in Oakland and the Mystic Dream in Walnut Creek. And you were a special guest at Austria Panel 2008 Guidance for the Times Ahead. So I can definitely see why you're out there speaking about this because you have a wonderful way of really making it comprehensible. And can you tell us what it's like to do these public speaking tours? Well, I really love talking about astrology. And if there's a particular subject that I can present to a group of people, um, it's so fun and the study of astrology keeps me in a constant state of wonder Mm. um, because there's a lot of mystery involved but it also reveals things that um, are quite wonderful to be able to apply in a practical sense it's like pushing a play button on a recorder or a machine or you know some kind of a player you press the button and I go so it's just as the most fun thing I could do is to be able to talk and share astrology that's really fun. I love public speaking, and I'm really glad you do that because, especially with being able to learn so many new things, like I didn't even know there were more than sun signs. I thought it was just, you know, Capricorn, Sagittarius, um, and all those other ones. And I think that it's really cool to now discover that there's even more depth to it. Yeah, once you open up the door to astrology or uncover what's there, it's lifetimes worth of study. And there's a never-ending sense of excitement and possibility once you start tuning in to um, what astrology can point to and what's been studied in the past. Yeah, and you mentioned that once you crack open the, open the door to astrology, you're pretty much in for it because it's so fascinating. And I wonder that if you want to consult with an astrologer, do you typically meet just one time and then you're done? Or do you usually need to have a series of appointments to get the best results? I think it depends on what you're after. If you want just to look at general guiding themes for your entire life, uh, you can do that in one or two appointments probably, maybe even one. But if you're really working on something that um, is issue-oriented, how can I um, deal with certain patterns that keep arising in my relationship, then a counseling astrologer, someone like me who's married psychology and astrology, can help you address those using the symbols and get right to the heart of the matter in in almost no time. You know, they have to be skilled and and, um, be a good listener as well, but astrology can be useful for issues as well as the big picture. Wow, this is really cool. And I have one other thing that I think we're going to talk about. we were talking about this earlier about uh, just you know sun signs and everything else, but we've basically all heard the term birth charts, but many people don't really know what they are. Is how can you describe those? It's a map of the sky based on the place and the time that you were born. So it's essentially set up in Western astrology as a wheel. It shows the planets and all yeah, okay. of the signs. Oh, that's very that's really cool. cool. Well, thank you very much, Paul, for your wonderful contribution to the show today. I think you've really kindled an interest in all of us to learn more about astrology and what it has to offer. You can stay informed about Paul and his work by regularly checking out his website at astro-counselor.com. I'm Hannah Hundle.
And I'm Asia Gonzalez. During the break, please also visit our charity site at btsya.org, which stands for the Be The Star You Are 501c3 Literacy and Positive Media Charity. Stay right here with us as we continue our conversation. to Dinosaur Detectives with Little Miss Dinosaur, Anna Dubois. We'll not only learn about dinosaurs, but also about fossils, ancient civilizations, and ask questions from paleontologists. You'll learn about science in general with an emphasis on paleontology and dinosaurs. Anna hopes that this show will start or increase your awareness and interest in the field of science. Dinosaur Detectives can be heard every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids channel. What's cooking? Join Kid Chef Eliana for Cool Kids Cook. Eliana is one of the youngest published cookbook authors and will show you that there are all kinds of goodness in food beyond the chicken nuggets and fries. On our show, we'll discover cuisine from around the world, learn some great cooking techniques, speak with some of the world's top chefs, and share recipes. Kid Chef Eliana is here for you on Cool Kids Cook every Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Kids channel. Bon appetit! Keep it right here. You're listening to Voice America Kids. You're listening to Express Yourself on the Voice America Kids channel, where teens talk and the world listens. Express Yourself is produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Now, back to our star teens. Welcome back. Thank you for staying with us here at Voice America Kids. I'm Hannah Hundle, and our program is Express Yourself. Today, the theme for our show is setting goals for the new year. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. We're so excited that our newest Express Yourself team member, Zara Hoffenheim, is back for her second appearance on the show. Zara has an insightful segment called Hope Heals, and we know she's got some great points about how to turn over a new leaf this year. Hi, Zara. Hey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So I'm sure we all have many goals for this new year. I know I have a thousand new goals, and I'm probably not even going to do all of them. But (laughs) (laughs) what are some of your goals for the new year? Well, probably my biggest goal is to just budget my time better. I mean, I always spend, you know, a lot of time either being lazy or just doing homework. But I kind of want to find that balance between working. Like, I don't know. I definitely think it feels better when you have extra time to do the stuff you like really enjoy, um, like your hobbies and stuff. But most of the time, there's not a lot of time to do those things because mm-hmm. stress from school and just like life overall can just really bring you down and make you lose hope that can like, I don't know, make you feel kind of bad. But once you have yeah. time to really think and reflect, you kind of gain back that hope and it really does heal you from all the tumbles you take in life. So, you know, other than that, just trying to challenge myself with everything and trying to push my limits. I think that's always a good thing. I think we really all need to budget our time because, you know, school's getting more stressful. We have more things to worry about as we get older. We actually had a segment on this uh, quite a while ago, um, just talking about how we need to, um, things we need to do to get rid of our stress. And I 
I think it definitely comes into play by doing things we love to do, like drawing or reading or being with friends. Like I just sat down today and started drawing and I just felt instantly relaxed because we had such a hectic week. And I think that really, really definitely needs to happen during the new year. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's funny that you bring that up because that's actually something that we talk about a lot in the book that I'm co-authoring and that book is going to come out on December 19th and it's being published by Pond Press. And we talk about this idea that teens need to really find their passion and their purpose in order to use their time most effectively, because otherwise you're just kind of lying in the wake, just meandering about not really knowing what you're doing. And I think forming New Year's goals can really help you get a better focus in life. But of course, there are the times when maybe New Year's goals are kind of limiting and they give you a sort of tunnel vision. And so I think you need to form goals, but you need to always keep an open mind as well and be able to mold and adapt those goals as you go. So what do you think about that, Zara? Do you think that sometimes goals can be a little limiting too? I think that, you know, more often than not, there are things that people really do strive towards, but sometimes they're kind of limiting because you can, like, you think you can do way less than you actually can. Um, But I think, I don't know, I think that's where the whole dreams versus goals things comes in like should you dream or should you only set goals but I think you should do both um I don't know I just think the main difference is that goals um are a lot of time just more specific and get more into the nitty-gritty whereas dreams are just like bigger and broader but a lot of times dreams are what you know will really fulfill your full potential so for a lot of people I think it'd be a lot better to you know just build on your dreams um, so that you do have hope that, you know, like, wow, maybe I can do more than I ever thought. Um, and, you know, dreams even, sometimes they seem unrealistic and easy to put off. But I think if you really are serious about them, then goals should really just be like checkpoints towards that kind of final destination. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to put it. I like that. Checkpoints to your final destination. It's funny because yeah. now I'm like in the mode of just trying to get all the wonderful quotes that I can because actually we just turned in our senior quotes for the yearbook. Mm-hmm. And so I was all over websites trying to find great quotes for that. And then for the book, I'm maintaining a blog and we have like image quotes for that. So that's actually a really great quote. Sorry, I might have to quote <laughs> <you> on that. <laughs> I like that. Um And we're talking about New Year's goals. We're talking about how we need to basically broaden what we want to do instead of keeping them so close-minded that we have like just a specific goal, but we need to make things broader. And actually in our, in my business class that I'm in, we talk about, it's not a very complicated thing. It's not like super mind blowing, but it's called a smart goal. And you basically have something that's attainable. You know, you're going to be able to do it and you have a time limit on how you're going to do it. And you have like a, a certain, it could be a number and it's just, it's something that you're able to attain easily and it just gives you hope and kind of a, um, basically a push for you to do it. And I think that people need to be able to do that. How likely do you think people are to stick to their New Year's goals? Um, I honestly don't really abide my resolutions for very long. And I know that a lot of people don't either, but I think we should all make it a resolution to stop procrastinating and actually stay true to our goals. I think mm-hmm. a resolution to stick with our resolution. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I was reading this article on Forbes the other day and it said that statistically only 8% of people actually achieve their resolutions by the end of the year. Um, 
and I was also reading on psychology today that there's this psychology professor um, who, you know, he coined this term false hope syndrome, which is basically when people make unrealistic resolutions that don't really match up like with that, how they think of themselves and they promise themselves all these positive things, but they don't really actually believe any of what they're saying or promising themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think everyone thinks that by setting time limits on goals and stuff like that will make you more motivated when it could actually be really damaging to yourself. So I think the biggest problem in achieving goals is just how you perceive them. Yeah, yeah. And I think another interesting thing to keep in mind is that, you know, your goals are really going to define the rest of your life in essence. I mean, you are becoming you are becoming what you're telling yourself. I think yeah. you know, that's the definition of who you are. It's what you tell yourself each night when you go into bed or what you tell yourself each morning when you wake up and look in the mirror. I think so that even though perhaps the success rate for resolutions isn't as high as would be desirable, I think there's something just beautiful about really sitting down and spending those few moments with yourself at the end of each new year and at the beginning of each new year and saying, yeah. you know, what do I really want to achieve this year? And even though you might not be extraordinarily likely to achieve it. I think taking those quiet moments to really try to understand yourself is so important because in our harem, scarum, fast-paced world, that's really just not a reality for a lot of people. So I think that's important to keep in mind as well. It's tough. It's pretty tough keeping our New Year's goals. Like, I think a lot of people have... um, a pretty rough time and they I think they kind of throw themselves into the new year revolu- resolutions kind of fast do you think that maybe people are too rushed when it comes to new year goals or or the opposite um I think that people do rush into the process of making goals a lot like nobody really stops to embrace what they've accomplished in that year mm-hmm. usually they just I mean you were mentioning that too usually they kind of just start from scratch and I don't really think that's a good idea because what you're trying to achieve with goals is to, you know, improve what you don't necessarily do that well and build on what you already have. So I'd say people should definitely try to, you know, think a little more, but obviously it's different, you know, for everyone. Um, It kind of makes you lose hope too in the way that you feel like you haven't done that much because you're not rewarding yourself from the work that you've already done that previous year. And like I said before, with trying to reach your goals, it's a good, it's like a good idea to go at a comfortable pace. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. <laughs> I think it'd be a good idea to make those realistic goals and what you said with building on them. Because I think if we just say, um, like, I'm going to work out every day or I'm going to lose this much weight in this amount of time, I think we should slow down and you know, instead of that, we should be like, well, I'm going to plan on being more healthy so I can start some sort of exercise routine or, um, you know, eat healthier foods instead of just setting mm-hmm. something that is not very um, realistic. Like you can't see the end. But right. if you say, like, I'm going to eat healthier and by this time, maybe I can I can keep my body a little bit healthier. Yeah, you know, I think it's maybe. a trade-off between setting yeah. that time limit and keeping that goal open-ended. Well, thank you very much, Zara, for sharing this motivating, inspiring advice. 
keeping our hopes high will certainly go a long way in helping us reach our full potential this year. As always, all good things must come to an end, and this show reminded us that a new year gives us the chance to enjoy a bright and brilliant new life. Seize your time to shine. Thank you to Star Style Productions, Cynthia Bryan, Be the Star You Are, and Kid Star for producing this show, where we empower kids. Thanks to our Voice America Kids crew, especially Perry Damone and Bruce Solstein. Thanks to our guests and reporters from across the world. And thank you, our listeners, for making us a top-rated program. I'm Hannah Hundle. And I'm Asia Gonzalez. You have been listening to Express Yourself, an on-air global community where teens talk and the world listens. For info on our creative community, go to btsya.org. Until next week, remember, be kind, be open to change, and be here. Speak up, speak out, and express yourself. Thanks for joining us this week on Express Yourself. Produced by Star Style Productions, LLC, as an international outreach program of Be The Star You Are charity. For more information about our show, be sure to visit ExpressYourselfTeenRadio.com. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific time, 3 p.m. Eastern, when teens talk and the world listens on the Voice America Kids channel. Until then, remember to express yourself. Stars that shine between the lines If you would let yourself go My name is Lindsay Marie from Bookworm. Now from the, now from the Kickstarter of the Month, here is the Wisp Pops and their song, Sea Turtle. So many clues
Kids start album of the month. 